Welcome to today's online message from Long Eaton Oasis Christian Centre. We are a church at the heart of the community, with a heart for the community. And we're so glad that you've joined us. We hope that you'll be inspired and encouraged today. Please don't hesitate to contact us. If you want to find out more, you can visit our website, www.longeatonoasis.co.uk, or you can direct message us. Exciting things taking place in, in it. So with, also exciting, we've got Freddie, uh, is our youth leader, along with Georgie, speaking this morning. And then we're going to have a... But along with Georgie, you head up our youth ministry. So come on, come on, Freddie. Let's encourage Freddie as he comes to share this morning. <laughs> Quick question, Freddie. Freddie, uh, long sleeves, short legs. Yeah. How's that work? I had, to, I had about five minutes to get ready this morning. Um, yeah. I feel like every time, um, every time I, I, I'm preaching, I have a story about our dog. Um, but yeah, that was the story. He woke up, what time was it this morning, Georgie? 4.30. 4.30 this morning. So um, yeah, five minutes to get ready. But yeah, it's, uh, so what I wanted to just share this morning was, uh, obviously we're here for, for Pentecost Sunday. And I want to share a little bit about, um, about Acts chapter 2. So if you've got your Bibles with you, then that's where we're going to be, Acts chapter 2. Um, whilst you're turning to your Bibles, I, I, when the guys were up here this morning sharing from, it was Acts chapter 1, that was verse 8, I, I felt quite emotional actually to think that, you know, I, I grew up in Long Eaton. I'm, I've lived the majority of my life in Long Eaton and it's so hard when you are in a fairly small town and you see the same sort of people every week, you, you almost forget the impact that God has on the nationwide church. And actually what we saw this morning, and we sang about it in worship, was that we saw a glimpse, I believe, of God's kingdom on earth. And I, yeah, I felt really touched by that. I think it was amazing. And well done to everyone who shared as well. Um, so yeah, so we're in Acts chapter 2, verses 1 to 4. Uh, and I'm reading from the New International Version. And it says... When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. This is the disciples. They were all together in one place. Suddenly, a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. So... If you cast your mind forward about four or five months from now, it's, we're going to be in November. And one of my favourite nights of the year is Bonfire Night. And I think it's maybe Leanne's favourite night of the year as well. Um, I love Bonfire Night. It's a, it's a, great, it's a great night to, to get together with people and enjoy different things. Um, toffee apples, one of the things of Bonfire Night. Um, fireworks. I was talking to some people at work a while back. I don't know if this is just a Midlands thing, Mushy peas in a polystyrene cup with a bit of mint sauce. Yeah, amen. That Medi, we'll, we'll get you some of that next, <laughs> in November. Mushy peas in a, in a polystyrene cup. But one of, the, um, one of the things that I love the most about bonfire night, funnily enough, um, is the bonfire. And I'm not a pyromaniac or some sort of weird person, but I find fire a really fascinating thing. When you see fire burning and you see it 
consuming all the wood, and, and it's just a fascinating thing to watch. And I think it, it does sort of captivate us a little bit. And I remember distinctly when I was a child, and I'd go to, to West Park to the bonfire night, and there'd be loads of people around, and it'd be dark, and you'd see the bonfire, and you'd see it being built in the sort of weeks leading up to it, and it was massive. It was so... I don't know how high the bonfire is. Probably as high as that window, I've said. Um, and as you, as you approach the bonfire, you can start to feel the heat coming off the bonfire. And as you get a bit closer, they, they put a, a sort of fence, don't they, around the bonfire, however far back that's a safe distance. And as you get... I used to try and get right up to the fence... You get right up to the fence and you could feel the heat of the fire on your face. And I used to think, wow, those guys that are a little bit closer than I am, they must be really hot. But imagine if you got even closer. There's a safety barrier there for a reason. Because if I get any closer to this fire, I'm going to be in a bad way. I'm going to be toast. And in the Old Testament, we, we see God being described on many occasions as, as fire. So some examples of this. In Exodus, so right at the start of the Old Testament, God appears to the Israelites um, on the Mount of Horeb. And it says in Exodus 24, To the Israelites, the glory of the Lord looked like a consuming fire on top of the mountain. The glory of the Lord looked like a consuming fire. And then in Deuteronomy, just before um, the the Ten Commandments are written out in chapter 5, it says, Moses says, The Lord spoke to you face to face out of the fire on the mountain. So God is, is being seen as, as fire in these chapters. And then in Psalm 50, it says, May our God come and not keep silence. Fire devours before him, and it's very tempestuous around him. And what we see from these verses is that the, the way God's manifested in the Old Testament is as fire, but not just as, as a little flame or as like a spark on a match, a consuming fire, it says. And this is the important part. So if you've switched off, if you're having a little nap, if it's a bit warm, open your ears to this bit. God is totally holy. He's totally pure, righteous, good, worthy. And because of that, he is, we call him our our just judge. God's our ultimate just judge. He can't simply tolerate sin. He can't just be in the presence of sin because to do so would be unjust. God is a, a just judge. And so as a result of that, he, he consumes all that doesn't meet the standard, all that doesn't come up to the standard of him. And just like the bonfire, if we walked up to God on our own merit and on our own sort of rights and, and works, just like if we walked up to a bonfire, we would just be consumed by God's goodness and his justice. But on Pentecost, that bit that we just read in, in Acts chapter 2, we see this amazing story of the disciples' faithfulness and they're waiting expectantly for this promised gift of the Holy Spirit. And the disciples were just told to just wait, to just wait in Jerusalem and the Holy Spirit will, will come on you all. And they didn't know who the Holy Spirit was. They didn't know how he was going to minister to them. They didn't know what was going to happen. Um, they were just waiting. But then we see the Holy Spirit descend emphatically on them, all of them. And he, it says uh, in chapter, th- in verse 3, that it rested on each of them. The Holy Spirit rested on each of them. And, and this is an outward sign to us as believers today that it rubber stamps Jesus' victory on the cross and his resurrection. The Holy Spirit descending at Pentecost, it rubber stamps that. 
it shows us that our relationship with God is, is no longer fractured. We're no longer having to, to stand at a distance from God for fear of his judgment. But we're in a personal, living relationship with God because of what Jesus has done for us on the cross. And that's what that fire, those tongues of fire symbolize when the Holy Spirit descends on Pentecost. Jesus has given us a way to approach and be in communion with the Holy of Holies, with this perfect, ultimate, just judge, glorious, good, anything good about the world, anything good that we see in each other is just a a small reflection of who God is. And we can be in a relationship with this creator of the universe. It's incredible. In the Old Testament, we we see how the people of Israel, uh, in order to worship God, in order to be in his presence, they would have to make sacrifices at the temple. And then they would have to offer their sacrifices to the priests who would act as a sort of mediator. And they would have to stand behind a curtain. They would put a curtain within the temple because God's presence was in that place. And so they couldn't be in his presence for fear of judgment. And we read, don't we, that when Jesus was on the cross and when he was being crucified, that that curtain of the temple was torn in two. Amen? The curtain was torn in two because we no longer have to stand at a distance from God. Our relationship is no longer fractured. We're one with him. We're in communion with him because Jesus paid the ultimate price. Every single one of our sins, every part of our guilt was taken up by Jesus on the cross. And when we see the Holy Spirit descending on Pentecost... It's a direct sign that God is no longer this consuming fire that that we need to stand at a distance from behind a safety barrier, but rather we can walk straight up to him, face to face, clothed in Jesus' righteousness, confident and assured of our salvation. I don't if the band want to come back up now is probably a good time. Um, In in Song of Songs, I was reading Song of Songs the other day, It's, it's, it's a it's an interesting book, the Bible. <laughs> it's a together service. Um, but it says at the end of Song of Songs, it says, love is as strong as death, which is a strange verse. Love is as strong as death. It's jealousy is unyielding as the grave. But it says, love, it burns like blazing fire, like a mighty flame. Many waters cannot quench love. Rivers cannot sweep it away. And that is true of God's love. God's love, it burns like blazing fire. Many waters cannot quench the love of God. No matter how the world tries to quench the love of God, no matter what we might even do in our own lives to quench the love of God, it cannot be quenched. I want to just finish by reading some, some words from a, a hymn that's called, the hymn is called Come Holy Spirit, and it's by a guy Um, called Stephen Langton. Now, Stephen Langton was an archbishop in the 1200s. I don't know if anyone has ever heard of Stephen Langton. I'd not heard of him before I read this. Um, But these words from this hymn, I think, are a really nice way for us to sum this up. And then I'm going to finish in prayer. And then I believe we're going to take communion as well. It says, Heal our wounds, our strength renew. On our dryness, pour thy dew. Wash the stains of guilt away. Bend the stubborn heart and will, melt the frozen, warm the chill, guide the steps that go astray. And Father, we we thank you this morning for, for this day of Pentecost. Lord, this 
amazing promise that you gave that your Holy Spirit would, would come on all of the disciples and all believers to come. Lord, that we know that in you we have a God who has, who has paid the ultimate price, a God who has uh, made a way for us to, to be in relationship with you. We are so honored and blessed to be able to, to share that time with you this morning, to be able to worship freely with no fear of condemnation, with no fear of, of, um, of, being, of being declared guilty for our sins. They've been washed away and we are presented before you as white as snow. And I pray this morning that, that you will continue to minister in this place as we take communion, that your Holy Spirit will continue to rest upon each one of us in this room and fill this whole place just like that room on the day of Pentecost. Amen. Thanks so much, Freddie, for sharing that this morning. Really was great. Really was great. And it's a reminder for all of us this morning that we can be in right standing with God through Jesus Christ. And as Freddie said, Jesus paid that ultimate price. We don't any longer need a fractured relationship with God through what Jesus Christ has done for each of us this morning. Maybe this morning you're not certain of that sure hope for eternity. Maybe you're not a Christian this morning. Maybe you believe in God. Maybe you understand some of the Bible. But maybe this morning you haven't made a heart decision to give your life to Jesus Christ. And this morning, you can respond in the most powerful way to what you've heard by saying, Jesus, I give my life to you. Thank you for giving your life for me. I want to live for you. I accept your forgiveness and grace and love. Receive your hope in Jesus' name. And I would encourage you, if you want to make that decision today, maybe for the first time, you can speak to Freddie or myself or Adrian or one of the elders that we... We'd love to talk to you more about that. We're going to come into a time of communion now. And we're reminded in Luke chapter 22 that Jesus took the bread and wine. And it was a powerful symbol of that sacrifice that Freddie spoke about this morning. And we read that he, he shared those emblems, the, 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 the wine and the bread, and said to do it in remembrance of, of him. He poured his blood out for many for the forgiveness of sins and it's as Freddie shared it's through his sacrifice that we've got this opportunity to come to the table of communion as believes in Jesus Christ to say thank you for what you've done Lord Jesus and to remember what he's done 1 Corinthians chapter 10 says this just two verses when we bless when we bless the cup at the Lord's table aren't we sharing in the blood of Christ and when we speak when we break the bread aren't we sharing in the body of Christ and though we are many we all eat from one loaf of bread showing that we are one body I'm reminded this morning that we are one body many nationalities many backgrounds many ages we're one body through Jesus Christ and so we come as one body this morning and thank with thankful hearts I'm gonna ask if you're able to to stand and I'll just give a couple of instructions as we do thanks Ben you're a big help thank you as we take communion, parents, guardians, you're responsible for the children that are with you. Just to say that, I'm going to ask if you file down the middle aisle 
We always seem to get this wrong. We're trying to do, do, do it to the best of our ability. File down the middle aisle and across to the table nearest to you and then file back up the other aisle. That would be fantastic as we come with communion. I think it'd be great to do something a little bit different as we share communion this morning. And it might take a little bit longer, but it doesn't matter. I wonder if we can share communion once we've took it with the person behind us and just ask God to bless them. One body. So as you take the bread, I would encourage you just to turn around to the person behind you and share the bread with them. As you take the, we've got juice. As we take the juice this morning, share it with the person behind you. Let's bless one another as we come to this time of communion this morning. Lord God, we just thank you for this opportunity to be together. And Lord, to respond to your words of remembering you. We come with grateful hearts. And Lord, we just pray in this time, it would be significant and special as we share in the bread and the wine, the juice, to remember you for the honour and glory of your name, Jesus. Amen.